Greetings. I am Reverend Dr. Pamela Robinson coming to you live from the Lotus Flower Podcast. The Lotus Flower Podcast aim is to educate, empower, and equip our listening audience while sharing culturally relevant, spiritually uplifting educational topics such as Christian marriage, self-empowerment, mental health, wellness, social justice, and faith. The podcast allows for a diverse variety of voices to be exposed to a venue of podcasting and learn about the content that they do not get anywhere else. The Lotus Flower Podcast. The podcast audience demographic is generally made up of affluent, educated millennials ages 25 and up. However, our target audience is African-Americans, Hispanics, people of color, low to moderate income populations, single parenting households, and disenfranchised people. All adults are welcome to partake in the party, in the podcast. It does not matter of the person's socioeconomic status, their race, their creed, nor their educational background, religious affiliation, or lack thereof, as long as they have an interest in respectfully learning about African-American culture, race, relationships, history, religion, and other topics, then all are welcome. The Lotus Flower Podcast. We are so pleased to announce that we have moved from audio to video and audio. We are currently airing live now on YouTube. Yes, we are airing live on the Emerging Hope Ministries YouTube channel. And we invite you to not only listen to the podcast on Spotify, Recent FM, RSS Wix.com, and Amazon Music Podcast, but also go ahead and watch the podcast on YouTube. Our listeners won't just be listeners anymore. You will become an audience, an audience of engaged people that are relating to us and we relating to you on a deeper level. Now we've got some exciting news to share with you today. We are proud to announce that we have exceeded our goal of 700 dedicated followers by the end of the year of 2021. We set a goal to reach those 700 dedicated subscribers and we reached that goal. And when we reached that goal, we exceeded that goal. We came in at 732 dedicated followers. And for that, we are grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you for subscribing to the Lotus Flower Podcast. And will you help us reach our next goal? And that is, we are seeking to have 1,000 dedicated subscribers by the month of June. Can we do it? Yes, we can. 1,000 subscribers by the month of June. And we also want you to know that on yesterday, 
we had a revamping presentation that was held live on YouTube. And we were able to let our listening audience know about a variety of things that we have done to enhance the podcast. We have now a dedicated song that was copywritten, and it is a wonderful melody about the Lotus Flower podcast. That song was written by none other than our cousin, Lakita Gordon. She lives in the greater Jacksonville, Florida area, and she is a dedicated composer, an artist, a songstress, and just an all-around wonderful person. And we're grateful to have that theme song. We'll be releasing it shortly. We also have a poem that was written specifically for the Lotus Flower Podcast. That song was written by our daughter, the anointed writer, Carmela Denise Harris, a poem written directly out of her heart that talks about that lotus flower and about this podcast. We're grateful. We also have been blessed to be able to purchase a variety of state-of-the-art music equipment, podcast equipment, lighting, and other equipment that is needed to enhance the podcast and make sure that you are having a favorable experience when you're here with us on the podcast. Also, we've remodeled our studio. We're grateful for that. We are yet accepting paid advertisement. Yes, we have three ads that we'll be running this evening and we have other ads that are in the making. So we have monetized our podcast. We monetized that podcast so that we'll be able to reach out to a broader range of listeners through the monetization program. If you're interested in purchasing an ad, please reach out to the Lotus Flower Podcast at emergingpope at gmail.com. And when you do, we will tell you all the details of how to go about monetizing the podcast and what that entails when you work along with us. Yes, our podcast ads are streaming all over the United States and globally. The podcast ads are a streamless transition for our businesses that are listening to the podcast. This is a way that our businesses can get their information out to our listening audience, which typically is over 1,000 viewers each time that we air. So imagine getting your information out to over 1,000 viewers each time that the podcast is airing. Yes, the Lotus Flower Podcast. We have today a very special guest. Our special guest today is none other than my nephew. He is Gerard Heyman. Gerard was born on October 1st, 1993 to the parents of Will and Marilyn Heyman. He grew up in Stone Mountain, Georgia 
with his parents and three siblings. Jamal was the firstborn, Camille was the secondborn, and Caleb was the fourthborn. When Gerard was growing up, he had dreams of becoming a professional football player, playing for his local high school football team, and having his eyes set on college. But the Lord had different plans for Gerard's life. At the young age of 17, Gerard made the brave decision to join the U.S. Army. While in the military, Gerard had many accomplishments and achievements. An example of one was being advanced to petty officer third class and becoming the senior warehouse technician over four different sailors. During Jamad's time in the military is when he met his now wife, Patricia. They have enjoyed eight years of marriage together and have three beautiful children whose names are Ava, Jackson, and Anaya. In the year of 2018, the Lord called Gerard back to the church. Gerard started to remember his parents taking him to church week in and week out, never missing a Sunday service, and how he was brought up on Christian principles, starting to come to the realization that he had never surrendered his life to the Lord Jesus Christ, made the life-changing decision that he needed to make, and that was to be baptized in March of 2019. From there, Gerard has completely surrendered his life over to the Lord and has become a leader at his local church. And he has started his own street preaching ministry. Gerard is currently working as a fuel system superintendent with an environmental agency called Western Solutions. His hobbies are playing football, the guitar, and occasionally video games. His likes are spending quality time with his wife and kids and building a stronger relationship with them, instilling in his kids the same moral principles and values that his parents did in him. I am so honored this afternoon to have with me my nephew, none other than Gerard Heyman. Welcome to the podcast, Gerard. Hey, I'm glad to be here, Aunt Pam. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. And I know this afternoon, we are going to talk about your life testimony. And I want you to go ahead and start wherever the Lord would have you to do so with your life testimony. Uh, well, so <clears throat> I guess I'll start in high school. Uh, so in ninth grade, you know, I was playing football and that was really encapsulated my younger years of life. Uh, I was really good at it. It was something that I woke up and did almost every single day. In 10th grade, I uh, 
got on the varsity team, started on JV, and they saw my talent. And I started on the varsity team. And actually, in 11th grade uh, was supposed to be my breakout year, quote unquote, by some of my friends or my coaches. But I decided not to play because of a girl. It was <laughs> it wasn't very smart on my move uh, on my part, but I decided to do that. And then senior year rolled around one of the most important years uh, in high school football. And I tried to play, but I was behind the curve and there was things that I didn't do uh, for the NCAA to get necessarily qualified to play in college. You have to update, you know, your scores from a young age, really starting at like eighth grade, ninth grade. I didn't take care of that. Uh, wasn't, you know, taking care of stuff in the classroom like I needed to be. But on the other side of that, you know, I had many different things to fall back on. My father, Will, you know, he really took a likening to a leadership skill that I had, you know, growing up in the neighborhood and stuff, my friends would really draw themselves towards me. They would always want to come over to my house. You know, we always, hey, let's go to Gerard's house. Let's do that. Let's do this. And so I was really the leader of the group uh, when I was growing up. And my dad was like, well, let's get you on some leadership stuff in DeKalb County. So he put me in programs such as 100 Black Men of Atlanta, and that was that was definitely uh, a very good program. There were some times where I did have to miss out on football to do that, and I was upset, but I'm very grateful that he put me in that. I met some very prestigious African-American men during that time. Uh, the highlight of it really was, I forgot his name, but it was a chess grandmaster who came and he was telling us all these stories, how he traveled around the world playing chess and how he's beaten other grandmasters. And he pulled out $2,000 out of his pocket cash. He's like, if anybody uh, can beat me in chess, uh, I'll give them this $2,000. And they were really ramping this up for about a month. They were like, you know, nice. get on chess, you know, learn some chess. We have a special guest for you guys. And I was on chess a little bit. I got on the computer. I was getting beat by the CPU and, I was understanding the game movements, but when he came and he was telling a story, I was like, I'm going to beat this guy. I can do it. So he lined all 30 of us up and he was just beating us in one move, one move. And I got up there. I was nice. like, I'm going to do it. And I got him to like three or four moves. And he was like, the game's over because within chess, you know, if you make the wrong move, the, a grandmaster knows that the game can go a certain way. Mm -hmm. But I enjoyed that. He got me uh, in another group called the Cab County Youth Commission. And it was, I think we were in ninth grade. It was about 15 ninth graders uh, from all across DeKalb County that would come together and meet with the governor of uh, DeKalb County. And we would come up with different solutions to how we can make the school systems better. We did volunteer work on the weekends. And that was, that was really good too. I'm glad that he put me in that. And I built relationships from that. And I actually... I'm still following two people on social media who were a part of that. So lifelong, really acquaintances, I would say, not necessarily friendships. And then I guess the biggest accomplishment leadership wise was I was in Navy Junior Reserve Officer Training Corps in high school, did all four years. I uh, did uh, the drill meets where you would go and drill against other schools in the, in the Atlanta area. We had, um, 
flag football tournaments, basketball tournaments. And uh, that was really a highlight of my high school career. Uh, and it really shaped my military bearing going into the military uh, because I did Navy in high school and then I did Navy. You said Army before and I was in the Navy. Navy, but, Navy. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's, and uh, so not necessarily doing well in football and not having a scholarship to fall back on, which was my plan, I decided to join the Navy. And I was 17. Uh, my parents actually had to go to the recruiting center to sign the paperwork to get me to go in because you have to be 18 to sign your own paperwork. And so mm -hmm. they went in and crazy story. I was supposed to leave December of 2011, but somebody dropped out of what would be called the, um, what would we call it? The, I forgot what exactly it's called, but they dropped out and I was pushed up to July. And so my recruiter called me. He said, hey, you're leaving in five days. Say your goodbyes. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so <laughs> and so I uh, said my goodbyes and I went into the military and, you know, bringing my leadership over from high school, all the things that I did without within the community uh, and especially NJROTC, I got promoted immediately to E3. Uh, which is airman. And yeah. also I was the RPOC, the recruit chief petty officer over my division. So I had this cut list, this sword that I would hold and I would command right. the, uh, command our division. And I got to lead them uh, the day of graduation. So I was out in front wow, and it was, it was a really good experience. And then I went to a school in Pensacola, Florida, spent a couple of months there. And then I came home for Thanksgiving. And after that, I went straight to Everett, Washington, uh -huh. on the USS Abraham Lincoln as the ABF, so Aviation Boats Were Mates Fuel. So I nice. fuel oh, aircraft mate. on the flight deck, and I was uh, running fuel samples up and down uh, the 7th and 6th, 5th, 3rd, 2nd decks. It was a lot of work, a lot of work, nice. <laughs> a lot of blood, sweat, and sometimes tears uh, because oh. I was gone for 10 months. First you time I was really- whole months without seeing your family? Yep, 10 whole months on the ocean. Oh, um, we, but we did hit ports. We went to Thailand and Dubai twice, Bahrain twice, and then we went to Turkey. Mm -hmm. And then on this deployment, I met my beautiful wife, okay. <laughs> Patricia. <laughs> okay. And it started out as a really good friendship. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we met in Dubai. She would tell it different, but... Uh, actually the first time I saw her was on the ship was the first day she got there and she had on this bright pink uh, polo shirt that had a huge horse on it and uh, she was walking through the mess decks and I was like man who's this <laughs> and so <laughs> uh, we met in Dubai I talked to her and she didn't really notice me until we went into Johnny Rockets and she said that that's when she noticed me but uh we got off deployment in August, and uh, that's when me and her started our relationship, and we dated for about a year and decided to get married in September of 2013, and from there, the rest is history, really. Oh, my. Uh, our three kids, our first child, Ava, yes. in 2015, our second child, uh, Jackson, in 2018. Mm -hmm. 
And then our third child, Anaya, in 2020, she was a surprise. Okay. Definitely a surprise. Um, we had just had Jackson. He had to have been 10 months. And she walked up to me and she was like, I'm pregnant. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> you sure? Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm sure. And I was like, and this is around the time that I was deciding to get out of the military because in the military, uh, it, well, in the Navy, Specifically, you have to have uh, a certain eval evaluation yes. that they mark you off of, and they put a certain portion of your e evaluation points into your test. Mm -hmm. So you have like an exception, an EP, which is a, I forgot exactly what it stands for, but if you didn't have that, there was no way that you were going to advance in my career field. So I got the EP and now it's up to study for the test. So I was studying for the test. I was studying for the test. I was scoring the 90th percentiles, 95s and above. But the quotas were so low for my job because nobody was getting out and uh, not too many people were advancing. So there wasn't enough room for third classes which I was, which petty officer third class to advance to second class, unless you really ace this test, got every, you know, every answer right. So I think it was the third time I scored in the 90th percentile. I wasn't getting advanced. I was about to go back to the ship uh, mm -hmm. for another five years because my, uh, my rate or my job in the military, you have to be on C. There is a short term, which, which I was on, which is three years, but my three years was coming to an end. And I was like, you know, I have two kids. My first appointment was 10 months. I saw what it did to families. Mm -hmm. And me even working these 12 hour shifts now, you know, I don't like being away from my kids like this, not much time and spending 10 months away from my kids. I oh, couldn't my. imagine. So I was planning on getting out. And then my wife was like, I'm pregnant. I was like, Perfect. This makes things even better. <laughs> okay. So I was praying and I was like, Lord, what do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? And in March of 2018, right after we had my son, I was already looking for a job and I applied to Western Solutions and they were like, hey, you know, what are your plans? When are you getting out? And I was like, I'm not getting out for another 10 months. And I'm, I was just looking and they said, hey, when you get closer, about a month or two out, give us a call. And so November rolled around, which was eight months later, and she dropped, you know, dropped the news on me. And then December, I was like, let me give this Western Solutions place a call. So I called them. They said, yeah, we got a spot open for you. This job starts out at this salary, and it's the exact salary I prayed for. God. Yeah, it was it was like, yeah, you start December 15th. And so there's a thing called EAOS, which is like the last day of our contract and mine was January 4th, 2020. I prayed to start a new job before then, uh, have health insurance, everything right. I really needed to, that I had in the military that I had security for. So they were like, uh, pretty much more than what I was making in the, in the military. That's a blessing. The insurance is amazing ever since we've been on it better than the TRICARE that we had in the in the Navy. Um, and it's just been a blessing ever since then. And uh, that is a blessing. Yeah, but absolutely. I want to let you know that we're going to go in to a station identification break at this time.
So we're going to pause and we're going to give our ad an opportunity at this time to play. We'll be back with you shortly. Yes, we will. And we're going to share the screen and we're going to go ahead and play this ad for our podcast listening audience at this time. Thank you. Be sure to patronize the services of Cali's Beauty Supply Store here in the beautiful city of Kalamazoo, Michigan. I also want you to know that you can shop with Cali's Beauty Supply online. They also have a curbside pickup that's available to you. And another thing is, Mr. Mo, the owner at Cali Beauty Supply, check this out, Gerard, he's decided not only is he going to sponsor that ad on our podcast, but he also, every time this podcast airs, he has agreed to play the podcast live on the monitors at his store. So as the customer shop in a store, the podcast will be played and they'll be able to listen to it and they'll be able to enjoy the podcast while they're shopping. So make sure that you're smiling really good because they're watching you (laughs) from Callie's Beauty Supply. Thank you, Mr. Mo. Now let's go back to my nephew, Gerard, Gerard, and we will go ahead and talk further about your life testimony. So I stopped at leaving the military and, you know, getting the job that I prayed for. And it was truly a blessing to receive that, you know, because it's just a testament to how the Lord takes care of his children. And, you know, I was definitely skeptical, of course, getting out, getting out of the military, you know, your uh their higher ranking people you know don't want don't want to don't want you to get out because they're losing a sailor and they're going to say you're never going to do it but i looked at my three children and my wife and i said they need a provider you know they need someone who's going to take charge and ultimately they it's going it's, it falls on me it falls on my shoulders so a year you know a year year and a half in advance i was preparing to exit the military and there's people that that still sit on their hands and feet getting out of the military and don't know what they're going to do. But I couldn't, you know, look my children in the face and we're on the streets or we're, you know, going from couch to couch because I'm not 
you know, taking the initiative to find something out in the civilian world that I can take care of my family. So ultimately the Lord has given me this job, you know, I'm still working here now and it's, you know, it's has just opened up opportunities everywhere. And, you know, the people that he surrounded me with, uh, I know, I know it's from God. I know it's from God. So I'm, I'm really grateful for this position that he's placed me in and the season that he has in my life. And just very beyond grateful for uh, for this opportunity. And, you know, uh, yeah. Well, tell me a bit about, um, I know that, you know, I'm I'm your, your late father, Willie C. Heyman Jr. is his full name and named after my dad. I'm his, I am his baby sister, uh, the youngest of eight children. We grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan and my brother, my goodness, your dad, he was my most favorite brother in the whole wide world. My, He was my big brother, and he was the, the epitome of what a big brother would be. There was a show on back way in the 70s called um, Eight is Enough, I believe. And I always thought of my family as this eight is enough family. We had these eight kids, and I had the big brother and a big sister. And my brother watched out for me. He bought me my first 10-speed bicycle he just oh he was just he loved his bikes <laughs> yes he did and he bought me you know a new pair of pajamas years and years ago uh when I was just a little girl this this checkered checkered pattern pajamas and I kept those things all the way till I was an adult and he encouraged me to through high school and through college and even with my marriage and whatnot and my my brother you know he really was just a wonderful all around a person. When he moved to Atlanta, when I was, I think, like the 10th grade in high school and moved down there to go to attend Spelman College, I just cried and cried and cried. I just did not want to let him go, I tell you. And uh, and he went down and he met your mom, mm -hmm. your late mom, Marilyn, and they just fell right in love after they were both, uh, I think she was attending Spelman at the time. And he was at Morehouse and yeah, he was at Morehouse yeah. years ago. And then they had a they had a a already fully grown child. <laughs> You'll play safe. <laughs> who was that? <laughs> and that was my brother Greg. My brother Greg, and when he was in eleventh grade of high school, he moved down and actually lived with your parents. I know you know the story. He lived with your parents as an eleventh grader in high school all the way up. Till I think after he graduated from high school and probably a year after that, and they became like parents to him. He just loved your mom. He looked at her mm -hmm. like she was his his mom. And my brother was not only his big brother, but his dad. And so he was their first kid, Jamal. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't put yeah. him on the list of siblings, but anyway. Right. Anyway, so um, they were just wonderful people. Your mom, Marilyn, my sister-in-law, just my sister and your dad, my brother. And um They've since both have transitioned to be with the Lord. However, I want to add this. They both were wonderful, faithfully dedicated Christian people. Even before yes. getting married, they were Christian people. So when they met and they married, they were whole. Both of them were whole mm -hmm. people. Two holes coming together made a whole. And they were dedicated to the Lord. They brought their kids up loving the Lord. And they, they even mentored my husband and myself after their 30 plus year marriage that they had. And now the Lord has called both of them home over a span of about six, seven years has it been for Willie, for your dad? 
five years for my dad. Uh, February, it'll be one for mom. And uh, with that, I know that it's most likely still yet a tender um, situation <clears throat> for you to talk a little bit about. However, there are people out in our listening audience that are yet going through what you have gone through. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter nine that there really is nothing new under the sun and that, you know, God has a time and he has a chance and he has a place for all things and we don't understand why. But can you share with us a little bit about what you are going through at this time having both parents have transitioned and they were weren't that old they both were in their 59 they were both or whatnot yeah uh so now uh it's i had a tough time this past holidays because you know my mother's favorite holiday of the year is christmas she brought everybody together. She made everybody feel welcome. She was very selfless. She's already selfless, but when Christmas time rolled around, it was just like on 10, you know? <laughs> you, know anything you, need, you didn't even have to ask for anything. She would just know some type of way she would know. And uh, last Christmas, I remember us as siblings coming together to get her this, uh, it's like this glass cube that you can put a picture in I don't know if you know uh, know what I'm talking about, but we put a picture of her and dad in there on their wedding day. And I believe it said always in my heart. And it had um, this light that would spin it around. It was beautiful. It's I mean, we still have it, but she she cried. You know, she mm -hmm. cried when she received that because she's not used to really anybody taking care of her. And she's not even looking for anything in return. So I know that uh, that really that really touched her in that moment. And I was so glad, you know, to be able to give that to her all, you know, all three of us were. And that's one memory I had from, you know, from Christmas last year. And that's just something that I can hold on to uh, now that she's gone. But, you know, this this time was hard. You know, we all had to rally together, me, Camille, Kayla and my wife to cook our first holiday meal together. Uh, be there with just us and not really having mom or dad to really usher in the Christmas season for us. And it really didn't feel like Christmas uh, for me because my mom is the one who made the Christmas season what it was. And it was, it was tough. It was, it was very, very hard. And I'm still dealing with the emotion in the emotions behind it. Tell me and some I, of the emotions that you, that you're feeling. Uh, just a sense of loneliness, loneliness, for sure. Loneliness, because, you know, I just think of how she hugged me when she saw me, how she embraced my children, how she even embraced my wife. You know, it's just like they've always been a part of the family. And, you know, whenever she would call me Rocky or when she, yeah. she started giving my son, you know, his little <laughs> name, Jackie Jack. And it's just like that that welcomeness, even though, you know, I still go to the home I grew up in, it's like, I can still feel the energy within there. I just feel welcome. People that even still come over today, you know, still feel welcome. So I still feel a sense of loneliness, but also peace, knowing that she is um, ascended in, well, 
is, you know, with Christ in heaven right now and also re reunited with my father because I know that she was grieving over the last five years for him. You yes, know. certainly. Uh, so uh, definitely peace knowing that she's at rest because if you, you also know her, she had a amazing work ethic. Like she yeah. would work her bunk. <laughs> Oh, you have to pull her off the computer sometimes. <laughs> you wouldn't beat her working. <laughs> Man, oh, she she would be at it. And I just, I'm so glad that she's resting now. She, she needs, she, you know, she definitely needed rest. And the Lord gave her, her her final rest. And I'm just grateful that she was a believer and she didn't die in unbelief because that's, that's the right. worst thing. That's the worst thing. So, that's uh, right. Yeah, loneliness, but also knowing that I'm adopted as a child into, into God's family how and was, also trying to, yeah. Well, how does the Lord, knowing that you are a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, how does that help you, Jamal, Gerard, to deal with what you're going through? Uh, well, we know the Holy Spirit is a comforter. And in my times of feeling sadness and loneliness, I can call out into, onto the Lord and really just meditate on him and what he's done for me, the things that he's still doing for me. I have children of my own that I have to bring up and knowing that I'm going to be a grandparent to their children one day and showing, um, really seeing how my father was a grand, uh, grandfather to Chris and Aiden, my nephews, and also seeing how my mom was a grandma to those two and also my children, it gives me a sense of uh, peace that I can give them, my grandkids, the same kind of love uh, that they show my kids and my nephews. So I think, I think that's what is really pushing me forward as well and pushing me through times of sadness. And I know that they'll never, my kids will never know my father and my oldest daughter met him, you know, she was there when he was a baby and she, he passed away when she was one. And I think she has some kind of memory of him, but I think she has the, uh, the memory that's going to stay with her is of my mom. Yeah. Uh, even though she still is kind of figuring out what death is and how to cope with it and all, she's definitely going to have little memories of my, of my mom. And I'm grateful for that. And I just, it's hard, you know, with Jackson and Anaya because they don't, I mean, they have my uh, wife's mom and her stepdad, but, you know, my parents, I've always wanted to have kids because of my parents mm -hmm. and them not being here to be able to experience that. It, it definitely, you know, does something to me. I so. see. Now your dad. Your dad has been gone. You said about, it's been about five years. And once again, his dad was my, my oldest brother and he's been gone about five years. He's passed away with uh, multiple myeloma, bone cancer, and um, fought a courageous battle with that. Courageous, Jamal, Gerard will tell you that himself to do all the way to the end. Now with, with that, having him gone out of your life for five years now, um, how are you dealing with that transition? And what do you do to, to deal with it? This ties into my testimony a little bit. Uh, so 2016, I wasn't in the Lord. You know, I grew up in the church. I had the faith my parents had. You know, I didn't have a faith of my own. I knew, I knew who Christ was. I knew who God was. 
But going into the military, it's it's very secular. A lot of drinking, a lot of fornication. And I I fell into some of that. You know, I was young. I was only eight, 17 years old. So in 2016, I was married. I had Ava, but I didn't know how to leave my home. And the news of my father, you know, having cancer, I immediately had hope because of the Christian values that my parents instilled in me. And I knew there was a God and I was angry, of course, and I would pray, but I was expecting everything to get better. I was like, well, if you're, if you're real, you know, if you're really out there, you won't let this happen. So when he passed, it was kind of like I was waving my fist at God for two years, really. And I just really took a back seat at home. We went back to Virginia because we were living in Virginia at the time. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't leading my household spiritually. Uh, I would mask everything with alcohol, uh, borderline alcoholic. I would mask everything with video games, video game addict. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't spend time with my wife or my daughter because the whole reason I had kids and got married was because so I could share that with my father and now he's gone. So what's the point? You know, what's the point? I mean, I still have my mom, but I was in Virginia. So nine hour drive. And Mm -hmm. I just, it really hit me hard. And 2017 was a hard year. I see. It was probably the hardest year of my life. Uh, Dealing with suicidal thoughts, uh, uh, almost on the verge of suicide and uh, almost losing my daughter and my wife to alcohol and being just a selfish, selfish person, all because of the unforgiveness towards God, who's the creator of all things, how dare me, you know, (laughs) Uh, for taking my father away, especially when I was just at my most vulnerable, you know, newlywed, first child, I needed him for so many things. You know, what do I do when this comes up? What do I do when that comes up? How do I be a man? And now you're gone, who do I have to fall back onto? I mean, I have, like I said before I had my mom, but there's something she hasn't gone through as a husband and father. Right, right. And uh, 2018 rolled around, it had to have been April or May, I was at work and this guy started coming in with the Bible. I was like, I grew up Christian and I had issues with the church, you know, tithing and other sorts. And I'm like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And he was like, uh, he gave me answers. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I was like, okay, okay. And then he would come back uh, the next night and I would ask him more questions. He was like, you know what? You know, my pastor can answer all your questions here. Here's a card to our church. And I was like, I'll check it out. And so Sunday would roll around. I'd be like, he invited me to church. It starts at 10 o'clock. I don't want to go. And (laughs) the next day at work, he would be like, yeah, we had church service uh, Sunday. Somebody missed it. And he looked at me and I'll be like, oh, I feel guilty. (laughs) Convicted. (laughs) <laughs> convicted, convicted. Yeah. yeah i feel convicted mm-hmm. i'm like i do need to start going he was still talking to me still talking to me and the whole time the lord was working on my wife you know she right. um she has her own testimony she was going through some other things of her own 
and I'll let her tell it. But the whole time, the Lord was working on both of us in separate locations. And there was one night, uh, I think, well, no, I'm going to back it up a little bit. There were times on Sundays I was like, you know, Patricia, I really think we should go to church. And she's like, well, you can go. And I was like, I really want to go with my family. I would think this. I really want to go with my family. So she's not up to it. I'm not going to go. And so after a while, <clears throat> actually, no, he, he kept inviting me. He kept inviting me. And uh, he actually did a fast one time, a Daniel fast. And I didn't know what it was, but he's like, I'm fasting for three weeks. We played this little video game on the phone all together, like eight of us at a time. And he was like, hey, when this date rolls around, um, I'm not going to be playing this with you guys. I'll, I'll be doing a fast for church. And we were like, yeah, okay. okay. And so we would get on the game and he would walk out, get his Bible and go study scripture in the other room. And I'm like, oh, man, this guy's serious. Okay. And that really started convicting me. I'm like, hmm, you know, I've never really seen somebody my age, you know, really serious about their faith. I saw my parents, but somebody my age who was in the Navy, who was immersed in this alcoholic and secular and fornicating culture, really stick to his word, bring his Bible to work, minister to all of us. Oh, my. Okay. And so Saturday night, I remember this so clearly. I was playing my video game and my wife walked out and she was like, Help me throw all this stuff away. It's all the stuff she accumulated uh, in her uh, walk in the occult. And she was like, help me throw this stuff away. And I was like, what? And it was thousands of dollars of stuff. Like, I remember yeah. her collecting so many things, spending hundreds of dollars at a time. She's like, I'm throwing it all out. Oh, my. We're going to church tomorrow. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And so the next morning, we woke up, and there was gospel music blasting in the house. She was singing. And I was like... Okay, where's my wife? And what do you do with it? You know, that's okay. this is my wife. So ironically, we, we got to the church and he wasn't there. His wife was there. But uh after that Sunday, we went back every single Sunday. Yes. Every single Sunday. And she ended up getting baptized in November of 2018. So this is probably August or September. We started going back. Yes, and, and I must interject that I saw that on Facebook when she would baptize, mm -hmm. you guys posted that on Facebook mm -hmm. and you were just so excited and everyone mm -hmm. was standing around. And I was just so excited for you all when I saw that. I was just so moved. Yeah. yeah. And it really motivated me because I'm like, my wife has radically changed. Like we've been through so much. And uh, March of really January of 2019, my pastor, Pastor David, I love that man. He's taught me so much over the years. I still talk to him to this day. He was like, we're doing a corporate fast with the church. We're doing a Daniel fast. And I was like, oh, this is the fast that James did uh, okay. last year. This is what he was doing. So I was like, I've never done a fast before. You know, the longest I've gone was 24 hours and I cheated because I ate a star uh, starburst. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I was like, this will be my first fast. Wow. I wonder if I can do it. And I had my doubts. I was like, ah, I don't think I'll be able to make it, you know, only fruits and veggies, nothing pleasant. Oh, I have, I can't play video games. I can't do this. I can't do that. And during that time, I was reading the gospel of Matthew during the fast. And I was reading the Sermon on the Mount. And the verse that really stuck with me uh, is you have heard uh, that it was said to those of old, uh, do not commit adultery. But I say, uh, do not, you know, whoever 
looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in her heart, in his heart. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I've done that so much, you know, I even think, you know, it was wrong. But what Jesus was trying to say that, you know, this sin starts from the heart. If you had the opportunity to lay with this woman that you're lusting after, you would do it. You know, you would do it in a heartbeat and sin runs so deep and he goes through so many things, you know, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Every charitable deed that you do, do it in uh, secret and your father will reward you openly. And I'm like, I see people on Facebook, you know, you know, video cameras and people's faces giving them money and stuff. And, you know, murder begins in the heart. If you even hate your brother, you've already, you know, murdered him. And I'm like, man, this stuff is ringing so true inside of me. And that, mm-hmm. and, you know, at the end of the sermon, uh, sermon on the Mount, he says, I liken this man uh, who hears my word to build them on sand, you know, I'm on stony ground. And because if you build them on sand, you know, they'll wash away mm-hmm. when the storm comes. And I'm like, Lord, I haven't been building my life on your principles, you know, mm-hmm. on your morals mm-hmm. and, my life is in shambles, you know, even though me and my wife have reconciled and started going back to church, I need to surrender my life over to you. So this will never happen again. Amen. And I need to get into the mindset of being a leader in my home and leading my daughter and my son and my, uh, well, not Anaya wasn't on the way yet, but you know, I had a son and I've always wanted a son and he can't look at somebody who is has an unrepentant heart because I'll continue back in, in those things and he won't have a good example. And so uh, I still have the unforgiveness in my heart towards God and uh, I repented of all of it. I said, Lord, you know, I was in the wrong for, for doubting you, for doubting who you are, for your, your promises. And I was reading 1 Corinthians 15 today. He says, you know, if Christ isn't raised from the dead, your faith is in, is in vain. And I was like, I believe that Christ is risen from the dead. If Christ isn't risen, my, you know, my father died and his faith was in vain, you know. And I, I don't believe that. There's there's too much to, to, to the world to believe that Christ didn't die. There's too much to the world to believe that God doesn't exist. Exactly. So I was like, I, I can't. I can't understand the human emotion that goes behind death and there not be something more. And not saying that's not, that's the only reason I have my faith in Christ. Yes. But death is, death pierces our hearts. It does something to us. Yes. And I believe it's because we're made in the image of God and we weren't made to die in the first place. And that's why the last enemy is death. Yeah. And, Jesus holds the keys to Hades and death, as he says in Revelation. That's right. So I decided to get baptized in March of 2019. Uh, And I, you know, I still struggled a little bit with sin, of course, as all Christians do. And I didn't come to the realization of what baptism truly meant until I started reading Romans. Amazing, amazing book. Yes. And I read Romans chapter six, uh, six twenty three, that the wages of sin is death. Yeah. And really, Romans three twenty three ties into that that all of sin and fallen, you know, sure. falling short of the glory of God, and that how can we still sin if we've been risen with Christ? Amen. You know, Amen. 
Amen. And so, I, you know, during after I got out the military, I was listening to street preachers like David Lynn, Gabe, the street preacher, all these other street preachers on YouTube. And I'm like, how can I say that I love the Lord, but I continue in willing, willing sin? You know, I say it's, oh, Lord, it's so hard. You know, how do I stop doing this? But if I'm if I'm truly obedient to Christ, if I've truly, you know, laid down my life for him, how could I continue in this way? And this whole time I was stepping into apologetics. Uh, and and tell, tell our audience what apologetics is for those. Apologetics who is uh, answering people's questions to the faith. So defending the faith and the key verse that we hang on is first Peter three fifteen, which is, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart and always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you with meekness and fear. Right. And so I went through an apologetics course uh, I was learning all these different arguments for God, learning about the gospel. And on this time, I was on the road because I travel for work. And I was like, how do I share this with somebody? Lord, I'm not, I work by myself. I'm traveling. I'm not in one place at once. And he was like, well, I need you. Is, excuse me, but this is an ideal time for station identification. And when we return, we're going to talk to you about what happened next with your ministry and your ability to share the gospel. Mm -hmm. Yes, in a way that most people don't. Let's pause for a moment for station identification. One moment, please. Just one moment, please. And here we are. Here we are. This is our ad that we're going to go to at this time. And just bear with me. This is our newly uh, podcast. So we're in monetizing and including ads in. And so with technology, gotta be just a bit patient and we're gonna go to our next ad at this time. Let's see, one moment here. Uh-oh, one moment here. Um, let's see, here and there. And just one moment. Hmm. We're going to right here, possibly. No, nope, nope, that's not what we want. One moment, audience and my guest. Let's see, we're gonna go here and here and nope, nope, there we go. Okay, now this is our very next ad that we want you to be aware of. And this is from Rock Dimensional Consulting, LLC. And I'll have you listen to this at this time.
Thank you. And be sure to contact Dr. Keitra Davenport-King, consultant at Rock Dimensional Consulting, LLC. Her website is listed here on the screen, and she is definitely ready to work with you as you build your business on a solid foundation. And now we'll return back to our guest, Gerard. Now tell us where, what happened with your <laughs> ministry and God calling you to a specific type of ministry? Yeah. So like I mentioned before, I was watching these guys uh, street preaching and just how thought provoking some of the things they were saying uh, and how they were really articulating the gospel to people that were just on the streets and how they fended off attacks from physical attacks from people and how they kept their composure and just still loved on people and still led people to Christ. Even if nobody came up or one person came up, they would pray for them. And I was like, Lord, this is the best way to spread your word. Like I tried to get into apologetics. I tried to get into the arguments. I would debate people online, but I'm like, how aren't you seeing the need for a savior? How, how can you even look at creation and say, there's no, no creator, you know, you know, his creation bears witness to who he is. It talks about that in Romans chapter one. And I tried to get on that, on that, the intellectual side of it, but the Lord was really just saying, you need to spread the gospel and really tell people what it truly is. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I was like, oh, I'm not ready yet. I need to learn some more. I need to, you know, brush up some more on learning scripture. And I kind of suppressed it for a little bit, a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I asked God for forgiveness for that. But there was one time that I came to Savannah because I work in Savannah uh, from time to time. And I had the thought uh, and pop up in my mind the night that I got here. And I was like, I wonder why I've never seen a street preacher out here because there's bars everywhere, crowds everywhere. It's just the best place to street preach at. Mm -hmm. And that night, well, that next day, I went out to dinner with my family because they came with me. And we walked out of the dinner restaurant and we saw a street preacher preaching. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> what? And okay. so I walked to him and I was like, hey, you know, uh, it's very bold of you to come out here. You know, you listen to the Lord and this is where he's led you. And it takes a lot of courage to come out here. He said, yeah, the Lord told me to do something and I did it. And if I don't listen to him, I'm in error. And I'm like, oh, you're right. You, yeah. you know, that's me. And so uh, he gave me a gospel track and I walked away. Hmm. And I was like, 
I told my wife the thought that I had, and she was like, you should go talk to him and see if he wants to street preach with you. And so I walked up to him and I was like, hey, you know, I come here regularly. I'll actually be here next week. You want to street preach together? And he said, oh, sure. Okay. So the <laughs> next week was actually, so this had to have been in August, maybe, of uh -huh. last year, maybe July. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I street preached and it was <laughs> an adrenaline rush. Of course, the moment I started preaching, a heckler came up and he told me to get out and oh, he was cursing at me. And I just saw the demons all inside of this man. But the nice. Lord gave me the boldness to step out uh, on faith and sit there and preach the word in a <laughs> in a crowded city. Praise uh, God. I was so nervous, but when I got into it, I was just spitting out everything that he convicted of me. I was giving that to the people. And mm -hmm. ever since then, uh, I started my own ministry called Boots for Peace Ministries. And why uh, did I, you name it that? So we named it Boots for Peace Ministries is because me and my wife were both in the military and we had a heart for veterans, homeless veterans at that. And we were like, we should offer them something. Uh, we should offer them shoes. And so we were like, we were in the military boots. So boots for peace. And that's okay. what we named it. And we kind of forgot about it. Mm -hmm. And I actually, the Lord placed it back on my heart. And he said, use that name that your wife came up with, boots for peace, because it really ties into Ephesians 6, mm -hmm. how uh, we are not, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and uh, spiritual forces in dark places. That's right. That's and also right. Romans, uh, Romans 6, 14 through 17, which is actually an anchor verse for our um, uh, for our ministry. It's uh, how can they hear without a preacher and how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring uh, glad tidings of good things. So that's where we really get the name from. Those two versions, uh, Romans 6, 14 through 17 and Ephesians 6, 14 through 17. And I thank God that my wife came up with that because it's it's so fitting to what I want to do. You know, shod your feet with the gospel of peace. It's one of the one of the uh, pieces of armor that the Lord has graciously given to us to go out and proclaim his word. So that's where we got the name from. And uh yeah, I've been street preaching in Savannah. I've been street preaching in Atlanta. I do uh, Bible studies on my YouTube. And I'm just, I'm letting the Lord lead me uh, to do these things because you can get to a point in, when, in your ministry where you think your ministry is your faith. And those two things are separate. So when you go out and on the streets, it's very tiring and taxing. And when you get home, you're very hungry and you could take the next week off from doing ministry work and reading your Bible and really doing the stuff that you did before because you're so tired and you think, oh, I planted so many seeds. I don't really need to work on my personal relationship that covered it. Mm -hmm. But that's very dangerous because is that is that you're not getting any closer to the Lord and. I'll tell you about a, my own spiritual attack that I went through, actually. So I planned on the Lord put on my heart to go preach on the streets in front of this uh, bar called Church Bar the night before. Is it Halloween. Church Bar? Church? It's called, yeah, it's called bar? Church Bar. 
Uh-huh. Oh, oh my. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Places. Yeah. Uh, and he put it on my heart for a month. And I fasted before, fasted for five days before, uh, before going out there. Went out there, preached, and with some other brothers in Christ. And the next mm-hmm. day, I got COVID. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. And the next day, I got COVID-19 on mm. Halloween. And for the last two months, I've been under spiritual attack because I wasn't guarding myself properly when going out in that pretty much den of demons. How were you supposed to, what we, so tell our podcast listening audience, how were you supposed to guard yourself properly? So I guarded myself properly leading up to it, but after Mm-hmm. I didn't pray. I didn't fast. I didn't tarry. I didn't wait. I wasn't necessarily seeking after the Lord the way I was leading up to it. So when you open yourself up to stuff like that, you have to keep your spiritual armor on. It's not like you just go home and throw it off. I right, should have yeah. went straight to you know my prayer room and prayed and asked the Lord to increase those seeds that I planted to protect me, to protect my family, because my wife uh, had COVID too. And Graciously, the father, you know, the Lord covered my children from getting COVID, but uh, I've been struggling. You know, COVID is very taxing on the body. It affects everybody differently, but I was tired. I was weak. I wasn't reading the Bible. I was sleeping in and I was just under spiritual attack. And the Lord has taken me out of that. Thank you. know, Thank God for that. But street preaching is. Is it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that I never thought I'd be doing. I was a very quiet kid. I was shy and street preaching, going out <laughs> raising my voice is the last thing, last thing I thought I'd be doing. And there's there are times when you can become discouraged because the Lord has me in a season of my ministry where I'm just planting gospel seeds. I'm not necessarily baptizing people. Okay. Um, I'm able to pray for people and ask for healing, but. I was trying to mirror my ministry after what I saw on YouTube. After what these guys have been doing for years, I tried to manifest in only a couple of months. Oh my. And that's the way the the Lord works. And he right. asked me in a season, uh, still breaking down the old man inside of me, which we, we, we die daily to ourselves. Right. And he's really pointing out to me that I need to start preaching the true gospel to people. And I'm reading a book right now by Max Lucado called He Chose the Nails. <laughs> and uh, there was one chapter that really rubbed me when I read the title to it. I'm like, he did do that. It said he chose the spit. Mm-hmm. And like he, they did spit on him. Mm-hmm. And we don't really break down his trial, what they did to him during those, you know, few hours in front of Pontius and scourging Mm -hmm. him. You know, I always read the verse that says he was scourged Mm -hmm. and it doesn't go into any other detail. But when you look how the Romans scourged people, they used a cat of nine tails, they used rods, people were beaten to an inch of their life. And the Lord did, he didn't, he did that for us. We deserve that. We have to come to a realization that they even chose Barabbas, a murderer and a thief over him. He traded places with us. He didn't have to. And I'm also starting to realize in the garden of Gethsemane, he wasn't worried about the cross. He was worried about the full wrath of God coming down 
on him on that cross. In that moment, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That the Lord, for the first time throughout all of eternity, turned his back on the son. It says in Isaiah that it pleased him to, to, to crush him for our sins. Somebody had to pay for our sins on that cross, and it was Jesus Christ in that moment. It wasn't at the trial. It wasn't when he was scourged. And another thing about the cross in the book that it pointed out that he des- denied the wine mixed with myrrh. It had a sedative in it that they would give to people on the cross that would um, dampen the feelings that they have from being nailed to the cross. And he refused it because he wanted to feel that pain for us that that we deserved. Right, right. And it's yeah, just... That blows my mind. Just thinking, just thinking about that, that he refused that because he wanted to feel our pain. That just blows Mm -hmm. my mind to the point where it just makes me love the Lord even more. How many of us would actually go through something like that for somebody else that even even people that we love dearly, we won't do that for Mm -hmm. them. I want to go back to something you said and it had to do with when you said that you were working in Savannah. And it was there at that time you were with your wife and your kids and you were wondering, why am I, why am I seeing people out here that are street preachers in Savannah, this place that's so full of sin. And I love how you said it's ripe for preaching out on the streets. Now listen to this, this young man, he's, you're wise because he knows that a place that's full of all that sin, bars and prostitution and drinking, mm-hmm. I'm sure all types of drugs going on. He sees that as a as a field that's ripe to share the Lord Jesus Christ's word. Now, some people would see just the opposite. So thank God for your wisdom and being able to see beyond the exterior. That's where it started. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to say that you said, now I don't see any street preachers out here and I wonder where they all are, but the Lord, allowed you to walk out and literally see a street preacher and you were just so astonished that you walked into this now i want to say to my listening audience and encourage you that it wasn't by coincidence that that person was there god already foreknew that that's what it was going to take to push you right into what you had already been thinking about you had already been reading about and all, but God had to show you right there on that evening, that person to push you right into where he needed you to go. And I want our podcast listening audience to know that, yes, you might say, well, that was a coincidence, but it wasn't a coincidence. God has already set things in place for you to go forth into doing what he wants you to do, but you've got to have your eyes in tune for it Mm -hmm. you could look right past that person and say he's some fanatic out here i don't care i you know no 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 but your spirit was open now i want our audience to know that there are young people that are listening and even some older people that are listening right now that are trying to figure out how do i walk in my call you just do it and you trust god for it another thing is when you talked about moving into street ministry as what god has called you to do I want to read a little bit here that I brought up about street preaching. Uh, street preaching is meaning that you're preaching in a public open area. And it is a method that has been used historically throughout Christianity 
for years and years and years, even since the Apostle Paul preached in the streets in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. Uh, Christians, they have used this method of preaching to spread the good news of the gospel. Now, some people think that street preaching is, is actually an ineffective way to get the gospel out. They, some people out there think that it's offensive and that some are very critical of this type of preaching. However, this form of preaching is very effective. Why? Because there are people right now that will never step a foot in the church, but they would see Gerard out there preaching or others out there preaching and they'll be drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ because he was out there preaching the gospel. That very same person may never have gotten to know the Lord Jesus Christ had it not been for you standing out there. So street preaching, even though it's a historic method of evangelism, it can be quite effective in reaching those who might never enter the church now, uh, now I want you to be encouraged, my listening audience, that God knows just what you are capable of doing. I heard you say, Gerard, that I never thought that I was capable of going out on a street corner and preaching the gospel because I was so shy. I was introverted. Even though you are a grown man now and you're not shy and introverted, but yet and still, as a therapist, I know that there's that inner child that's still inside of us that stands up mm -hmm. tall. We can hide it and cover it up, but that inner child there still is introverted, and yet there are times it still is shy, but God, his Holy Spirit is so powerful. <clears throat> it pushed beyond that inner child of that being introverted and shy and compelled you into doing street ministry and preaching the gospel. I watched on your Facebook page, a young lady come up to you when you were street preaching in Savannah and told you that, thank you so much for standing out here preaching right now to us. She said, you're doing the right thing. You're sharing mm -hmm. the word of the Lord. And then she asked you to pray for her. She said, and mm -hmm. I think you were taken by surprise. She said, and will you pray for me? And she was, was so like, close oh. on you and yeah. you just I, almost, I think you embraced her, but you were so close and you were so compassionate and you mm -hmm. prayed for her and she went away smiling. And I was so touched by that. And yeah. so I thank God that even though there are naysayers out there that are saying, well, that way of preaching may not be effective and, and so critical of the way God does things. We have to listen to what the Lord Jesus Christ is telling us to do because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And he is the one that mm -hmm. has put planted that seed inside of you to start right where you are. And when he can trust you with doing that, he will trust you with even greater. But he's mm -hmm. got to know first and foremost that he can trust you to step mm -hmm. outside of your comfort zone. If you hold on and say, Oh, I'm not doing that because it's uncomfortable or I might get talked about or they're going to say I'm fanatical or this, that, any other. The naysayers and all those voices will stop you every time from doing what the Lord told you to do. God is testing you. God is testing you, my podcast listening audience. 
He's testing to see if we're going to step out on faith and actually do what he told us to do. And I am just really super excited. And I am so proud that you are actually walking in your call of street ministry. You did share with us a little bit about there was a man that you thought was maybe demonically um, mm-hmm. uh, like had demons mm-hmm. and that he came up to you and, and said some things to you as you were out preaching. But however, you, you did not stop at that time. And I want you to expound on, on that because I feel that the Holy Spirit wants us to talk a little bit about this particular area of encouraging somebody to move out of their comfort zone, even when someone made that might have a demon might appro- approach you on the street or mm-hmm. naysayers might say, don't do it. Or they might say it's not popular or you're a young man or you're African-American, whatever the things people would say. Can you encourage someone that's listening to move forth outside of their comfort zone and do what the Lord told them to do? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the verse that I read at least 100 times before I even started preaching was 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 was God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. And stepping you know, when that guy approached me, I said, do you know Jesus? You know, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And he said, he knows Satan. And I said, well, you need to give your life over to the Lord. And I kept preaching. And there are going to be times when you're persecuted for your faith. It might not be physically, but it can be, you know, verbally. Mm -hmm. So I know I tell I'm uh, I volunteer for uh, middle school at my church. So I even tell them, I say, there is a time where you're going to be nervous about sharing your faith. There's going to be a time where you're going to be like, oh, they're going to, they think I'm a weirdo. Oh, this Jesus thing again. But you're going to have to give an account of what you've done in the flesh. That's right. You know, we are covered by the blood of Jesus, but there's still a judgment day that even us as believers are going to have to go through. The Lord right. is going to play back our lives. He's like, hey, I gave you this opportunity to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. You didn't share it. Look what happened to this person. Mm-hmm. I gave you this opportunity to share the gospel. You didn't take it. And there are times that I'm that I'm in error even where, Lord, you know, my day isn't going right. Or, I, you know, maybe they'll even look at me weird, but I still have to step out in faith in those moments and just take the social awkwardness because if this person isn't, uh, isn't saved that they're going to spend eternity in hell, eternity separated from God. So Mm -hmm. the Lord is even going to look at me like, Hey, you know, even though you went out the street preach, there are times where I still need you to do this one-on-one. I'm going to play the devil's advocate. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to say something to you right now. And I'm going to say, well, what does it matter to you if, the person isn't saved and they're on their way to hell. What does it matter to you? You're saved. You got a family. You got a beautiful wife, three wonderful kids. You got a good job. You're doing well. A young man is up and coming. What does it matter to you? So I think of the parable of the talents when somebody says that. Uh, you know the parable of the talents. He gave one of uh, the servants 10. He gave one five. He gave one one. The one went out and uh, invested it. The second went out and invested a little bit. And the third went out and buried it and said, oh, no, I'm going to just keep it here. And so 
the uh, master came back and he said, oh, you know, you're good and faithful servant. You've returned, you know, you returned me all my money. He went to the second one, said the same thing. And the third one came. He said, you know, Lord, I went and hid my money. I didn't know if it would bring back anything. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. How dare you? You know that I uh, sow where I reap. And he, he casted him into outer darkness. Mm-hmm. So us as Christians say, oh, this is my faith. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't need to necessarily tell anybody. But the Lord is going to has gave us the great commission. He said, go, therefore, and preach yes. the gospel to all nations, yes. baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. So if we aren't in, the, you know, doing the great commission, we're in error. He even That's said right. it in Mark 16, uh, mm-hmm. 15 through 20. Mm-hmm. So these are the Lord's words. The apostles went out and did this. They were telling believers at that time to do it. How do you think the early church started? Mm-hmm. It just wasn't the apostles going out. The apostles were planting seeds. Other people were uh, watering and God gave the increase and they That's told their right. family and their mm-hmm. friends and all that. So I care. Mm-hmm. I care because the Lord told me to do it. He commanded me to do it. So mm-hmm. I do not want to be in error and not do it. And I there's some times where I just want to get up on a on a bench in, in the uh, in the mall or something and say, you need to repent. <laughs> Jesus is coming back because mm-hmm. even when I'm out in a public space, I was like, I need to tell everybody because I feel mm-hmm. as though I'm in error. But the Lord has told me to calm it down. He says, I'll give you the opportunities to do it. You can do that. I'll Definitely. lead you to do that in those moments. But that's well get said. Well yeah. said. Mm-hmm. There's a zeal that comes with street preaching and wanting to share the gospel. Like everybody I run into, I even have gospel tracks in my truck. I'm like, here, take a gospel track. I bring okay. my bag of gospel tracks with me, you know, just plant the seed. You don't have to, you know, I was talking to you a couple of days ago. I want to see, you know, I plant the seeds, but I want to cultivate. I want to water. I want to do everything. But the <laughs> Lord's like, all I need you to do is plant that seed, plant you know, the, seed. the parable of the mm-hmm. sowers. That's right. And then we've got to believe that when you planted that seed, that someone along is going to come along in that person's life and they're going to water that seed and that God will give the increase. But we do not know what the time frame is going to be in the process. Mm-hmm. So we've got to believe by faith that we've done our part. You are the seed planter. There might be a time that you may be the one that, be, that do the watering. But we've got to believe that God will give the increase. And just like you said, your parents brought you to church. They taught you about the Lord from a from the, from the time you were in your mom's womb, before you were mm-hmm. even born. My brother, oh my, he studied the Bible. So he had so many Bibles and he was just in love with the Lord, church all the time. Your mom, the same thing. Yet and still, all of that, you told us right now on this podcast that you really didn't get saved and know the Lord until you became an adult, that you realized that you weren't saved, that you were living off of the faith of your parents at that Mm -hmm. time, and that you needed your own relationship with the Lord. So that ties into that God giving the increase. Your parents planted the seed, didn't they? They planted a good seed and all for you. They did. And they helped to water it by taking you to church, taking you around to different, uh, getting you involved in that men's group you told me about, your mom taking care of your daughters, your sisters, showing them how to be women, 
loving on you guys, modeling a Christian home for you all. Now they weren't perfect, none of us are, but they modeled how to have a Christian marriage in front of you all. They were doing all types of watering, but God sure. came along and get, gave the increase when you were adult male, he gave the increase. And I yep. wanna say that your parents, those prayers that they prayed for you, that you would be saved, they manifested. Yes, the, your parents have transitioned with the Lord, but their prayers that they prayed for you, they are yet with you and they're working. God said his word would not return to him void. Yep. And I thank God for that. And I thank God that you know that there's a process. You also said earlier when you were talking that there is a process that we've got to go through. There was a time in your life not too long ago that you were so on, you're still excited and on fire for the Lord, but you were so excited and on fire until you wanted to do it all. You were just in a rush and you were in a hurry. You couldn't do this, you wanted to do that. You just had to do it all. Just that and the other, couldn't get no sleep. And, but you said, God said, now slow it up, okay? Because there's a process. And yeah. we can't go from A to Z all in one night. You got to go true. A, B, C, D, you know, and wait a little mm -hmm. bit. You might get stuck on D for a while before you move to the next one. You might go to G and then you might even backtrack all the way to A. Something could happen mm -hmm. and you'll backtrack. But God is a God of second chances. And he said his grace and his mercies are new every morning. I want you yep. to know out there in our podcast listening audience that he's not expecting you to be perfect, but he's expecting you to actually follow what he has told you to do and be obedient to the call. And that is what it's all about. So tonight, as we have spoken with my nephew, we just want you all to be encouraged in our listening audience that there are people that are going through times right now that they have experienced the transitioning of their loved ones, that their loved ones have gone on to be with the Lord. And it is a painful situation because we're human. We know those of us that are saved that we're going to see our loved ones again. We know that, but yet and still there's a part of us, our flesh that hurts. Yet and still the Lord, he is, he is a bomb in Gilead meaning that he has the, that balm, he has that type of um, ointment, spiritual ointment that he can apply to our lives to soothe over whatever we're going through. And I thank and praise him for that. He told us in his word that the peace of God would surpass our very own understanding and it would keep our hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. And I thank God for that. Thank the Lord that God saw this situation coming. He saw that you were going to actually accept the call of God on your life. And he set things up. Even when you were a little boy back there wanting to play football, all the way going through junior high, high school, wanting to go into pro football, going into the Navy, having a girl, a girl that kind of messed that up, one girl, and then you <laughs> met your beautiful wife and had some situations there. All the way, both parents have transitioned to be with the Lord through, through a, a major sickness. And um, God saw just where you were going to end up at. And even with you trying to self-destruct, take yourself up out of here. 
he said, no, you're not dying. You shall not die, but you shall live. He said, you're going to live and you're going to proclaim the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he did. Because it wasn't yes. your time to go. Because there's a time and a season for everything in Ecclesiastes chapter number nine. Now, I want someone in our listening audience to know this, that just because you're going through a painful time, it's so painful and your back is against the wall and you just don't know how you're going to get out of it. The thing is, is getting in the way is the word you and I, because you are not the thing that gets you out of it. And saying, I, I am not the one that gets me out of it, but it's the Holy Spirit that gets me out of it. I've got to replace the you with the Lord Jesus Christ. I got to say, the Lord is going to take me and get me out of this. I got to say that I am trusting in the Lord, even though I can't see what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't figure it out. I'm in so much pain. I'm mad at the Lord. So sometimes I feel like I just want to quit. I want to give up. Yet and still, I'm going to hold on to God's unchanging hand. I'm going to hold on, even though I don't know the next step of how holding on looks, because I'm walking by faith and not by sight. And God did not allow this situation to happen in your life to actually destroy you, okay? God has a hope and he has a plan for us. He does, and he is not a God that shall lie. God is real and he is true to his word. So I thank and praise the Lord that he has took everything that you have gone through and he's worked it together for your good. Because mm -hmm. the scripture tells us that all things work together for, for the, the good, good of them that love the Lord and that are called according to his purpose. And I'm saying all things. I'm saying death, I'm saying loss of jobs. I'm saying divorce. I'm saying alcohol abuse, substance abuse, being a single parent mother that doesn't know how she's going to feed her kids and how she's going to make it to the end of the month. You got more bills than month than money. All of that. You're being discriminated against. Whatever's happening in your life that seems like it is just something that you cannot see your way through. Know that God is the answer to it all. And the songwriter says, and Andre Crouch, before we end, that he says, through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. And he also said that if I never had a problem, if you never had had a problem in your life, you would never know that Jesus could solve them. You'd never know it. So I thank and praise God for what he does and what he allows in our lives. He's a loving and a just God. Thank God for your holy boldness that you have. You're a young man and you've got a long way to go. And I, I can see a bright, bright future for you. And out of pain comes gain. Out mm -hmm. of pain comes gain. My whole ministry was birthed out of pain. And that's a whole nother podcast in itself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. 
Now, is there anything else you want to share with us before we end the podcast tonight? Uh, yeah, a verse that the Lord put on my heart uh, since you went down that road of uh, going through trials and tribulations. Uh, Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So our hope is in Christ, and we have that hope by seeing, being sealed by the Holy Spirit, who is our guarantor of our faith, that we have as a promise from the Lord, knowing that he's going to finish that work that he started in us. So anybody who's going through anything uh, right now, just keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. Go into your, into your prayer room and get on your knees and cry out to him, and he will answer you. You know, he's a, he's a faithful God. He is a faithful God, and he's answered so many of my prayers. Uh, and I just go in front of to his mercy seat in fear and trembling, and I work my salvation out in front of him. He's your he, you call him know him as a father, you know him as a friend, and he intercedes uh, for you in your times of need and trouble. So his like uh, my aunt Pam said, his word will not return void. His word will not return void. And hope, hope, having only positive expectations, holding on to hope. My soul is anchored in the Lord and mm -hmm. hope is my anchor. And I thank God that hope is your anchor. And I pray that hope is the anchor of our listening audience. I would like to invite you to pray us out as we close the episode. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for, first and foremost, the people that were able to listen in today and were able to gain something from our conversation, Father. Uh, thank you for allowing the Holy Spirit to guide this conversation and really steer us in the right direction and just plant a seed or multiple seeds today and have somebody else come along and water those seeds that we were able to plant. And you'll give the increase, Father. Uh, we talked a lot today about stepping into our purpose, stepping into something that you've been calling us to and us not necessarily wanting to do it because it will be stepping outside of our comfort zone, Lord. But if you called us to do something, you will not just call us and us step into it and you'll leave us. You'll be there every step of the way. God was with Christ every step of the way through his trial, through when he was being nailed through the cross, in that garden of Gethsemane, when he was praying out to you, when he was saying, Lord, let this cup pass, but not my will, but your will. The Lord never left his side and he won't leave our sides either. So I just thank you. Thank you for this uh, opportunity and this time that we were able to to talk and to conversate, Lord. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord. And I thank God that you were able to be on the podcast today. And I know that it wasn't by coincidence that it was such a time as this that the Lord saw fit for you to share your testimony with the world. And this is only the beginning. Thank you so much for being a special guest today. I pray that this year is the best year of your life. Thank you for joining Thank me. You. you have a blessed evening.
You as well. Bye bye for now. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. What a beautiful testimony by my nephew, Gerard Heyman. Gerard Heyman once again resides in the greater part of Atlanta, Georgia. He is the son of my late brother, Willie C. Heyman Jr. and my late sister-in-law, Marilyn Heyman. He grew up in Stone Mountain, Georgia as his three siblings. He has a wife and three beautiful children and he is completely on fire for the Lord. What a blessing, what a blessing, what a blessing. I want you to know that there is nothing too hard for the Lord. With God, all things are possible and he's able to keep you even through the most difficult and trying times of your life. My nephew has gone through some things in his life, but it's a wonderful thing to see how God took him through and is taking him through. What a testimony. What a testimony of God's goodness and God's mercy. Yes, what a testimony of what happens when our parents actually plant those seeds for us. They plant seeds and they water those seeds and they trust life experiences to water those seeds and they trust others to water those seeds and they trust that God is going to give the increase. Even if he gives the increase after they've transitioned on and they're sleeping with Jesus, we know that God is yet giving the increase. So thank God, thank God, thank God for his word. The word of God is true and it will not return to us void. What an exciting, exciting thing to stand on God's word. Like the song is saying in the background, whatever it is, whatever it is, it won't let me hold my peace. Yes, and we know what it is. We know it's the Holy Spirit. Yes, it is that won't let us hold our peace. And I thank and praise God for the peace of God. Yes, I want you to know that our podcast airs on Spotify, RSS feed, Wix.com, Reason FM, Amazon Music Podcast, as well as Google Podcast. Listen, go ahead and subscribe to the Lotus Flower Podcast as we have a goal to reach 1,000 podcast subscribers by June of this year. We can do it. We can do it with God. All things are possible. We can do it. Be sure to like and share this podcast with your network, with your family, with your friends and your Facebook 
audience, as well as Instagram and Twitter. You can help us reach that goal of a thousand subscribers by doing that. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'd like to go ahead and pause once again for a station identification with one of our advertisers. One moment here. here and we're going to share the screen and we're going to have you see the last advertisement that we have for this evening and we thank and praise God for for our advertisers that have been willing to take out these ads with us and we thank God for this new opportunity that he's given us just to be able to, to reach out and give opportunities to businesses that are in our area and businesses that are all over the United States that want to be able to let you know that they're out there. They're out there. And when they're they are out, when they're out there, they are out there not only because they have businesses and that they want to make an income, but they're out there because these people that we've reached out to care about the community. They care about you and your well-being. So when you shop at their businesses, they are there because they are not only wanting to sell excellent products to you or offer excellent services to you, but they are there as the hand and feet of Jesus Christ. You don't always have to have a cross around your neck or have a Bible in your hand to be a witness for the Lord. So we are thankful for our three businesses that have advertised with us for the very first time. The our ad from Jasmine's Fun Fashion is as follows. Listen in. Yes, and we are so pleased once again to have as one of our advertising sponsors, Jasmine's Fun 
fashions. Be sure to check them out online. And also, if you are interested in receiving additional information about the Lotus Flower Podcast, or if you would like to purchase an ad on the Lotus Flower Podcast, or if you would like to submit a speaker's request, or if you are in need of prayer, ministry consultation, would like to place a, place a bulk order for some of our ministry products, or just for general inquiries, then please reach out to us. You may contact us through our email at emerginghope at gmail.com or through our website, which is emerginghopefsp.org. Thank you so much for joining us this evening for the newly revamped Lotus Flower Podcast. And remember, it is the flower that blooms in adversity that is the greatest of them all. That quote is from Mulan, the motion picture. Have a blessed, sunshiny, prosperous day in the Lord. Bye-bye for now.